will come out, will come to play. Just for recreation's sake, to pass the time away. Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today. North Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play. So join in the chorus, sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. Hello and welcome to The Stern Look. I'm Kangaroos Forever, reporting from Pyongyang. Tonight we also have Party Secretariat of the AFL. Welcome GN80. Good evening. Good to have you on. Also returning tonight is AFL Propaganda Minister Philly Rue. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on as well. So club discussion this week will be merged with trending issues, which we'll be covering first, mainly due to the sheer amount of issues this week we need to discuss. So firstly, we'll start with Eddie and JB being involved with threats involving Caroline Wilson and drowning her. Philly, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit, but at the same time talk about it because I think it was, I think what they said was wrong. I think what Eddie, the way that Eddie pushed it and the way that he referred to her as a black widow and that she'll suck you in and then she'll burn you. And I just thought that the tone that he had was really nasty. And violence against women is a is a really really big hot topic at the moment, especially with the White Ribbon thing, and it's 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 very much in the news. I thought it was really insensitive what he said. The way he did it was pretty cheap and nasty. I thought I thought it was really odd for JB to be involved in it. Although it happened last Monday, but for, I heard him on uh, on the rub on the Saturday just gone, where he sort of said that Brad Scott. Obviously, and we're going to get into that one in a minute. But the way the way that he said that Brad Scott normally presents himself well in the media and thinks about what he says before he says it, and he'd be disappointed in himself today, referring to what he said about the umpires. And yet, JB the previous Monday had said and got himself involved in a conversation that a man in his position shouldn't get himself involved in. Now, for people that listen to Triple M Radio, that's pretty much the way they do every show. And it's pretty much the way they talk to each other, and it's a real blokey shit environment that. I personally don't like listening to. I'd rather listen to SEN every day. But um, in short, I don't, I'm not a big Caroline Wilson fan, but I just think that they they let themselves down. And, and their, Eddie, in particular's apology was shit until he got the threat of Holden pulling the pin and then he came to the party and apologised properly, which I think is pretty piss weak. Yeah. G&80, your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree with most of what Philly said there. I think, like... Obviously, not knowing the Triple M sort of, I suppose, uh, presentation style, I can't really comment on that. But um, the fact that, yeah, JB should have known better, shouldn't have got involved. Um, and but from hearing the film, the the actual clip, um, it's funny. I don't know if you ever noticed this with Eddie, the venom in his voice when he gets excited. It was just. It's it did sound nasty, and I think I heard the Tony Shaw one, and you go, oh yeah, that's a joke, ha ha, wah wah wah. I mean, okay, Caroline Wilson was there, but he was, it was, it was violent, and that's and that that's I suppose the uneasy part of it all. Yeah. Um, like he, he he really he he he's obviously a pretty excitable bloke, and but for two highly educated men plus well plus Spud, um, to, to, to go down that that line. Pretty, I, what was it going to achieve? I, I, I don't know. I just flabbergasted with the whole thing. I think further to that, I mean, I've, I've been previous life when I actually thought the footy show was okay. I, I went to some, to some live shows of the footy show when Eddie was still involved in it. And I was at the World Cup in Germany and we went to the footy show in Germany when it was on there, when, yeah, when the soccer was on. And he... He did say he's, he's just a bully. The way he talks to people, the way he doesn't show people respect, the way he, when the cameras are turned off, he just blows up. And I don't know, but I would imagine he's had private conversations with Caroline Wilson, off, obviously off the record, where he's given her massive sprays and, and made, I don't, I don't know, but I would imagine that he's made idle threats about, I'll end your career and things like that, because that's the, the kind of... Uh, confrontational person he is so and so that would probably add context to it as well for do you know what i mean like he yeah, he's he's not right. a he's not a very nice man from a lot from i mean he probably does great things for certain people and he's been a really good president for collingwood over the journey and he 
he's done really well in his career and he's been really successful and he's got a hot wife and he's got a beautiful family and, <laughs> and, and good for him. But I just think, I don't know, Rebecca Wilson, as I mentioned to you guys in the pre-show, Rebecca Wilson was on SEN today and she gave him the biggest spray I think I've ever heard anyone give anyone a spray of. It was amazing. She yeah. said basically that everyone in Australia hates Eddie. He's a bully, he's a horrible man, and he should get the sack. So, well, mm, I see, can't, I mean, it's probably going to come to a head even the club, Billy. He's just, he's starting to go from doing all he can to stick up for the club to just basically becoming a, almost, a, I suppose, a drunk with power, um, North Korean type. Yeah. Fitting with the show, I suppose. Just and, and I mean, on the other side, sorry, K4, you go. Sorry. No, you're right, mate. I was going to say, I, I also get the overly politically correct chat as well. I mean, I think we're all adults and we know, should know how to take a joke. And had, had it been, had that conversation been about, say, Damien Barrett, would, would the outcry have been as bad? Well, it definitely would not have been. But I guess the point is it wasn't about Damien Barrett. It was about Caroline. I mean, yeah. Colin, you know, Eddie's the president of Collingwood. Which journalist has had more of a negative impact on Collingwood this year? Mark Robinson or Caroline Wilson? Definitely Mark Robinson. Yeah, so, so, so why wasn't Eddie making a joke about Mark Robinson? I do, I get what you're saying. I, I do think that it was over the top no matter who it was. I think yeah. it was pretty, it was pretty petty to, to, to go down that line. I mean, if you really got an issue with someone, attack why, like, you know, attack their work, attack the inconsistencies with their work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, like I said, it was, the tone, and you, you touched on it earlier, the tone was just, it was yeah. flat out violent. And that adds context that you're talking about a, a woman. It's just the fact of the conversation. I mean, we can say oh, if he talks about Damien Barrett like that, well, then it's not so bad. But there's not that context there. There's not that education that maybe not, that wasn't there even in the 90s with the old, like it is, it's a... um. It's a consideration you have to have if you have that conversation, I suppose. What did you think of it, Kofor? Um, well, you guys bring up some convincing points, because last night we kind of came to the agreement that it's pretty much a storm in a teacup, but you both brought up some interesting points. I'm probably leaning towards more your guys now than rather than being a storm in a teacup. It wasn't right, what he said. It wasn't. It was pretty vile from all reports. I've only listened to it the once, so... Really, it's, as long as you actually apologise and there's actually steps being taken to, with him, whether it's a sacking, that's a little extreme from my point on. Oh, he won't get the sack. I mean, there's no way. He's done too much for Collingwood and he's made them, whether we like it or not, they're a, they're a power off the, at least off the, he, uh, he'll be president as long as he wants to be president at Collingwood. But it's, uh, it's interesting because he, uh, the Adam Goods thing was just a ridiculous thing to do. But I, I, I don't think he he meant it in the way that he, that it did the Adam Goods thing. I think he 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 meant to make more of a more of a joke about the girl that called him the gorilla rather than calling him the gorilla. If that makes sense? Yeah, I get. You. And 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 although it was insensitive and he did it the wrong way and it, and it wasn't funny because I don't think Eddie's a particularly funny guy anyway. So maybe she just lay <laughs> off the humour. I, I I just think when you, now he's had that incident, now he's got this incident, and it just. It starts to smell bad, and people remember stuff like that. I mean, I mentioned to you guys in the pre-show, the thing that I found interesting I heard on the radio today was Wayne, they, when Eddie was making the joke, he, he said, oh, who else is in? And he said, are you there, duck? And and Wayne Carey said, yeah, I'm in. And then when it started to turn into the the violent, you know, holder under and calling her names like the Black Widow and stuff, Carey didn't say a word. And then apparently what happened is after they came back from the next break, Kerry took it upon himself to distance himself from the previous conversation. So wow. he, because, because of the, the history he's had with violence and women and, and all the things that have happened in his life and how the amount of counselling and, and uh, education that he's had to, had to go through, he realised on the spot that that wasn't desirable and I don't want to have my name linked to that. So I, I think that tells me two things. The others heard him apart apologise and didn't say anything, so obviously they didn't think it was an issue. But the other thing is, shit, hasn't he come a long way? Absolutely. It wasn't yeah. that it wasn't that long ago that Wayne Carey he he would have he would have done anything to anyone and thought I'm Wayne Carey, so who gives a shit? So I think I think thumbs up to Wayne, but the the others uh, the others having to wait until the entire football world started shaking their heads to apologise. That was an interesting part of the whole thing too that it took 
till the Saturday morning to to really come come out. Like, because I, I I wasn't aware of it. I thought they were talking. No. They must have had a Saturday morning show and it happened. And I thought, oh, geez, we're in good form at the moment. Um, well, they, they but, do have a Saturday morning show, and the entire Saturday morning show before the thing broke was about Brad. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, we talked about this last night about the timing. That was probably, we came to the conclusion that it was basically they didn't want to overshadow the big freeze. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. yeah, and that's probably why, and that's one of the reasons we listed, that they just didn't want to overshadow Neil Dunahoo's battle. Well, do you know what I think it was? I think it was more that, the 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 because the, the, apparently Caroline was made aware of it and she didn't want to have you know she heard it it upset her she was annoyed she brought it up with Barrett that night on Footy Classified off off air but um then there's a uh, there's a sort of pseudo and I'm, this is going to sound like I'm being offensive but I'm trying not to there's a pseudo feminist group that follow the AFL and they got a hold of the footage and then they they're the ones that put it out on social media. But I don't think they were aware of it until late last week. So that's why it, that's why it sort of blew up because of them pushing the agenda through social media, if that makes sense. Yeah. Righto. We'll move on to the next subject, which is somewhat linked, is the Brad Scott incident with naming umpires and giving Lindsay Thomas unfair treatment. I know what you're going to say, Philly, but we'll give Gene 80 the first rap and first go. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the whole entire thing? It was a, a complete and utter lack of judgment moment for him. I just, I mean, if I was told something like that, and I can only go by what I'd do, um, if I was told like something like that in a corridor walking to a press conference, I don't know if I'd know enough about the topic to bring it up in a public forum in front of so many people. Um, when it when it first happened, I'm, I was of the opinion, man, that is terrible. We should cop whatever. But I mean, <laughs> I think those fines were pretty over the top, though. Like, I think, um, look, it, it sort of struck me as one of those moments. I'm not sure if you guys watch much baseball or American sports. I think Philly must being an Eagles uh, <laughs> Eagles supporter, but um, you know how sometimes the manager or the coach will just get himself thrown out of the game. Yeah, like it'll yeah. do that some sort of galvanizing exercise. Yeah. Um, that's all I could I could think because if it wasn't that, I'm I hate to hear I hate to hear what the actual reason was and why we were so inept to do that without the proof because it, it's a, it's a it's a fight you're never going to win unless you've got really hardcore evidence. Fair enough, Philly. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, can I can I ask quickly what what do you think I'm going to say? Uh, That's my guess. Yes, and everyone's against Lindsay. Yada yada yada. Positive North. Positive North. Well, yeah, you're pretty right. I mean, there's no doubt in the world that Lindsay's treated differently. I don't think anyone with with a sane mind who actually watches football could could disagree with that. And I think lots of lots of commentators have come out. And, and agreed with that, and lots of commentators acknowledge that that, that Lindsay's being treated pretty horribly at the moment. I mean, I, I don't think Brad handled it great, but good on him for saying something. Good on him for standing up and and standing up for his teammate, for his for his player. I mean, there's a there used to be a coach of the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid, and he was a big, yep. fat, <laughs> hugely fat man, and he looks like a seal. And he didn't really resonate with the with the with the Philadelphia Eagles fan base. But the one thing he did better than any other coach I've ever seen is he never ever threw his players under the bus, and he always took responsibility for every single thing that had adversity attached to it with the team. So if, if for example, if what's happened here, Brad's put he, put himself in the firing line, and rightly or wrongly, may brought up that the umpires did it, and the. the the way of, of saying that they that the umpires have, have said this to our players probably shouldn't have done that. He could have answered it a different way and he could have put it back on the journalist. What do you think? Do you think that Lindsay Thomas is getting treated differently? Because because I saw a free kick that was plain as day that didn't get paid and up the other end, James Sicily gets two of them. Or did you think that bump on Josh Gibson was high? Because I freaking didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the, the journalist asked a question, so obviously he's noticing something. So you your points are, are valid in... But but the the disappointing thing out of all of this is that the real issue has been lost. The real issue shouldn't be that that Brad said the umpires are cheap. Well, he didn't call them cheap, but the umpires have a preconceived idea. The real issue should be 
that there's this guy that's playing football and he's getting treated differently at every contest. The two 50-meter penalties against Lindsay Thomas on the weekend were the worst I've ever seen in football. I was like, a, like I said, I was watching watching the the game at the uh, Crown Casino and no one knew what for. Hawthorne supporters, North supporters, neutrals, the, the, no one. The, one. the one after he bumped Josh Gibbs, he asked the umpire why. Why? And the umpire marches him back 50. The other one up the other end, he's he's gone onto the mark. The umpire says, come back. He takes a step back and the umpire marches him back 50. Then, five minutes later, Mason Wood's lining up for goal. And is it Brad Hill? Is that the yeah. hill? The yeah, Brad Hill forward? moved Brad him. Hill walks up and shunts him over. What? Now, he moves him onto the mark. That's what he does. That's quite funny. How can you do that? How can, <laughs> how can that not be? I was losing my shit. So all the players that don't don't, play don't, don't worry about Brad Hill. He's already got in trouble again. Yeah, I know. With um, driving on a suspended license. <laughs> Has he? Yep, just recently. When, and he's when... facing court soon on certain charges. Is he really? Yeah, well, assault when, charges. When, when that happened, I I lost it. I stood up and I started running up and down the aisle screaming. And the the players that, that aren't playing, Ryan Clark, Sam Durden, Ed Vickers Willis, Braden Proust, all those guys, they were all sitting just across the aisle from me. And when I eventually calmed down and took a deep breath, I looked I looked across and they were all just looking at me with their mouths wide open, like, What the fuck was that? <laughs> so so it's it's obvious that my behaviour was bang out of line, but I just I it, I get so annoyed at the average Joe on the street bagging Lizzie Thomas. But more than that, some North Melbourne people that bag him, it really pisses me off. Because Lindsay, I've said it before, he, he pleads blue and white. No one tries harder. I mean, people, none of you guys probably, no one else in the barracks for North Melbourne probably follow Lindsay Thomas's wife on Instagram, but I happen to. And <laughs> can I tell you, she... And not many people follow her, so it's not like she's doing she's doing this to get notice for Lindsay. But do you know that Lindsay Thomas has all the first and second year players over to his house for dinner once a week? No, I wasn't aware of that. How freaking good is that? You what? If you go onto the video, the um, North Melbourne app now and watch the um, the Wagner behind the scenes before the game thing, what who's in his ear encouraging him the most? Lindsay Thomas never leaves the guy's side. He's mate. He is that freaking good at doing the little things for this club. And you can see that the other players just love him. And it, and I think it's great that they come out firing this week for him. And if it's 80 grand, I mean, shit, what's 80 grand at the end of the day? Let's I pay suppose, it. Yeah. I think um, one thing out of this whole season, and uh, pretty much after every season, it seems like, would Lindsay Thomas have to be one of the most mentally tough people to play footy? Oh, I don't, like, I don't know anyone tougher. Because, I mean, it sounds like an odd comment, but... To put up with a lot of the stuff that he's had to put up with, whether it be you know the Ben Reed bump, the yes. Gary Warren, yeah, or, yeah, I wasn't going to say that because I think it's been told. I think I get told about it every time I watch the footy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even the Gary Rowan slide, all this stuff, and he just cops it left and right. Plus, I'm sure he gets people from other who support other clubs just probably you know seeing him in the street and giving him a. Bit of a spray as well. Like, no, mate, they're not brave enough to do that. People aren't brave <laughs> enough to do that. They, they do it online. They do it on Facebook. They do it on Twitter. They do it everywhere else. But none of them are brave enough to do it face to face. He doesn't get. Way. He doesn't get booed as much as so good. Like you might get a cop a few here or there, but you wait till tomorrow night, mate. I reckon you're going to hear a chorus of booze tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, mate, they'll be too busy knitting their bloody scarves, the grandmother's cameras. No, no, no. <laughs> they'll go hard at Lindsay tomorrow night. Is my tip. Yeah. Well, Got a Port Adelaide in the sandful too, so mm. I won't like him. No, well, he's—I mean, that's who he is. I mean, I don't—I don't care if people don't like him. I don't—I don't care. Good on you, don't like him, but don't just make up crap. Don't say you say publicly. Don't treat him differently in the media, Dermot Burton. Don't treat him differently, umpires. Just if the free kicks there, pay the free kick. If it's not there, don't pay it. But don't go down the other end and pay the same free because that's just bull. Well, well, I mean, we'll end on that bit because we're going <laughs> way over time with that. I know, uh, I know this. Sorry to interrupt you, but I know this isn't part of the hot topic. Thing, but did you, were you guys aware of the Sean Atley thing that happened over the weekend with the spitting? I saw the video. It it was very clear that it was miles away. Like, for my opinion, I mean, I'm the the, the first video that got released on social media was from a, a it was someone taking a video from their TV at home. So it even made the perspective on it worse and the angle on it worse. And they, 
it made it so that there was no depth. So it looked okay. like he, it looked like he did do it on him. But I um when the, when the following up, I think Giant Rue. If anyone doesn't follow Giant Rue on Twitter, you should definitely do it. But Giant Rue put the the actual real footage up on Twitter, and uh, I took it upon myself instead of getting involved in the uh, the people that were bagging out J Mac or the Lindsay Thomas thing. I thought I'm a, I was going to distance myself from that. So I uh, I went <laughs> I typed Atley into the search, and the amount of people that were calling him every name under the sun. Dirty dog, you scumbag rat! I hope you die. All this stuff about oh. Sean Atley for not spitting on someone. So I, um, I what I did is I copied Giant Rue's tweet and I posted it to all these flogs that abused Atley and said I think it's time to apologise. And most of them, to be fair, did apologise. There was one guy who did not, who continued to call him a scumbag rat dog, and added Lindsay Thomas and Brad Scott and all these other things. And then he wrote me a uh, a private message saying something about my kids who. Feature in one of my photos on Twitter. What? So what I did is I searched his on his profile. It says his hometown, which happens to be in Tasmania. So I typed his name and his hometown into Google just to see what it came up with. And it turns out he's a uh, he's a convicted rapist, and he he actually kid, kidnapped a girl with three of his mates, and they they raped her multiple times. Oh, so the, lovely! What a lovely family friendly <laughs> podcast we have. So, so the the lesson here, ladies and gentlemen is don't get involved in fights with people online because you don't know who they are. Yes, and we'll end on that <laughs> unhappy note. <laughs> with, um, thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> um, yeah, look, rape's not a trivial manner, so we, that's, I'm not laughing at that. Yeah. No, uh, we'll just leave it. I think we should just leave it there. We'll right? just leave it there. Uh, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down are pretty self-explanatory. We've already gone over them. I don't think we need to add to that. Uh, my thumbs up. Trent Jamont's game was very good, and my second thumbs up would be Mason Wood's game on the weekend. He, I thought he really imposed himself. I know his skills lean down at times, but he's got a bright future. So, June 80, your positives and negatives. Uh, my my uh, p- positives were Demont and Wood. Uh, they, were, they were both pretty much close to breakout games against good opposition. Um, you've got to say now that Aaron Black's pretty much done with the club, though, after Wood performing the way he has. I mean, he. I always saw those two basically vying for the same spot even in the future. And, um, I mean, I really liked Black. Um, but, yeah, it looks like he might be done mm. at the club. Um, but Chris Tarrant... Oh, Chris, bloody hell. Um, Robbie Tarrant, what a colossus. He's just... He's just I, I cannot believe how good a defender he is for someone who predominantly played as a forward all his career. It's just amazing. Um, the other thing, obviously, reading the VFL reports, um, good to see Mackay having a few few kicks and a few marks. That's always good. Now, the only thing that I wanted to add to the negatives was the um, I picked up on the board this morning that apparently one of the Hawks runners or something um, made some pretty unsavoury topics to uh, to match. Yeah, and I saw that. Yeah, I, that's I mean the fact that that I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's a pretty delicate topic and. In the position that we found ourselves in with, with regard to the media, I, I don't know we, whether we could do too much about it, but if that was said, that's a really massive, massive thing. If it is true, yeah. Yeah, if, oh, yes. Qualify yeah. it with a big if. <laughs> yeah. Well, be probably investigated in any case if law of the club rates big footy, so I assume there'll be some inquiries at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Philly Roo. Uh, well, one of my thumbs down was Luke McDonald's hamstring. I thought oh. it's, it's really, it's, it's a really flattening one. I mean, he's, he's really hit his straps this year and he, uh, he's leading really well. It's starting to, you can see he's really enjoying his footy as, as he always does because he's Luke. But, but, um, if you're going to ping a hamstring and you're going to do it really badly, I think doing it while tackling, tackling Cyril and stopping him from getting a goal was, uh, was a good way to do your hamstring. Um, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Other positive, when Jack Rewalt hit Sam Mitchell, was probably my highlight of the year so far. Jack Rewalt? Just, sorry, Jack Rewalt. When he, Jack, Jack's evil hit Sam Mitchell. I don't Mitchell. feel so bad about the Chris Tarrant comment now. Yeah, no, you got me there. No, when he hit, when he hit Sam Mitchell, it was, uh, it was a huge highlight. I, uh, I was up and about and up out of my seat screaming and pumping my fists and loved it. Um, and I'll also reiterate your other positive on Robbie Tarrant. He's... Definitely all Australian fullback and it playing lights out. 
unbelievably good. Yeah. Right, we'll end on that. Um, just, just to add on your point of um, the Mitchell hit, my favourite part of the night, which made up for everything besides the Hawk posters, whinging that, that North's tough snipers, etc., etc., <laughs> was that um, Gibson heard footsteps and he short-steppled. He did. <laughs> and squibbed the mark in the first quarter. He yeah. heard Ben Brown. He was about two steps behind him, and he, he had the mark, and then he dropped it because he heard footsteps. That was right in front of us, and the entire... Aisle 19 Bay stood up to uh, to acknowledge Josh Gibson's piss wake effort. It was brilliant. <laughs> and to be honest, Hawks fans will be well well versed how to spot a sniper. Let's be honest here. So, um, well, they got owned pretty badly on the main board. As I said, I've never had so many likes in the thread. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. duck hunting everyone. <laughs> <laughs> They're too easy <laughs> sometimes. Anyway, we'll move on to VFL. I'll keep this brief because we've had a bit of a chat so far, so we'll keep this brief. There's not too much to write home about. But we're we'll losing to Asterix, um, Essendon. So Anderson made his return from injury. He had limited game time and he had a few disposals, but by all reports, his trademark pace is back, which is He looked really, really sharp early. He was in everything. He just... He was just a bit unlucky. Every time the ball sort of got in his hands, he'd, he'd get hit or he'd sort of slip out of his hands. But he looked, he was getting himself in really good spots, flying for the ball, and he looked good. Yep. Aaron Black, 16 disposals. That's, I think, seven tackles. He sounds like he played further up the ground by all reports as well. The tackle he made was amazing. One of the, one of the tackles he made was amazing. Yep. Uh, Ryan Clark, 20 disposals, 10 tackles. That's that's what we like to hear, is the tackles. That, I care more about that. Will Fordham had a bit of a disappointing game. Uh, seven disposals and only one goal. Uh, Hibbard, 15 disposals. Lockie was rested for half a game. He wasn't apparently that impressive for the first half. Ben McKay, three goals and three very good goals. Mountford was solid with 14. And Bruce is just continuing to develop away along with Tippett. So, You're forgetting it, one. The best yeah, one. I know. Vickers Willis, the old. He was very good. Two dads, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a bit, actually. I don't mind Vickers Willis. I can see him getting a game pretty early next year. I, I mean, I, I thought he was almost going to come in for Luke. I, I went to, I think I mentioned, well, I wrote in the thread about it, but I went to watch the, uh, the Werribee Richmond game at Punt Road a couple of Sundays ago, and I could not have been more impressed with Vickers Willis. He was. Really, uh, really calm, composed. He looks big, he looks strong, he moves well, and he uses the ball really well. Um, I think he's going to be a cracker. Might not be, yeah, like you say, not, maybe not this year he'll, he'll break in, but I think next year he, he could sort of, he's the sort of guy that could play a full season next year. Yeah, I think we're going to try it. We kind of need to start pumping games into guys like, probably not Durden. Durden's just a long-term project. We've accepted that from the start. Yeah. I guess Willis, Nielsen, these Clark, Fordham, we need to pump games into these guys. Well, Nielsen can't. I mean, Nielsen's in a bit of a spot because he can't break into the the Werribee ones at the moment. He's playing in the development league, but it's a little bit a little bit of that stuck with because Hanson and Tippett and well, with Hanson Adelaide this week because he's an emergency, he could probably get, he'll probably get a call up by the looks. Who will? Sorry, um, Nielsen to the ones for Werribee. But, but Hanson will play for Werribee though, won't he? Oh, oh he could actually. He'll probably fly back with the team. Yeah, what day probably... do they play? Yeah, I the think Thursday all, I night. Think Sorry, my bad. Yeah. I was thinking of weekend yeah. stupid Thursday yeah. games. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the good thing. About it. At least all the emergencies get to play this week. I mean, the upsetting thing is if Werribee play on the Saturday, North play on the Sunday, the, the emergencies have to miss a game. And it, yeah. I, I think, I mean, it's, we're probably off the topic of talking about it, but we are on the VFL thread, I guess, the VFL conversation. But they, they need to organise that better. I mean, the, the VFL is a secondary competition to the AFL, and they need to schedule the games as such so that the, the, the players that are emergencies get a game and so that the, the players are available to play. For, I mean, if, God forbid, chickenpox hit North Melbourne last week and all the other players had already played for Werribee the day before. Do you know what I mean? It just, yeah. I think, I think, I think that the secondary competition should, should be a secondary competition. And like we, was, we said in the pregame, I mean, Werribee have been decimated the last two weeks because North, North have sat players because of injuries. I mean, the, that Richmond game, the morning of the game, Wagner, uh, Farron Ray and Dumont pulled out and then they sat Mad Jack Door at halftime. And then last yeah. week they sat Lockie at halftime. So, I mean, if, if they're going to make it a secondary competition, let's use it properly and do the scheduling to fit it. Yep, fair enough. And so the game this week is Saturday uh, against Coburg at Avalon at 2 o'clock. So 
basically, hopefully we can get a few guys back from the emergencies and we can actually get another win in the BFL. Fingers crossed for that. In terms of questions, there weren't too many. Um, let me just have a quick look at them. The first one was about Goldie Filiru. Um, is he f- playing fully fit at the moment? I think he's obviously not playing fully fit, um, but he, I think we still play. But I mean, he still did some things last week that were just sex. He's <laughs> some of the, sometimes when the ball's on the ground and he's another midfielder in there. I, I to be honest with you, I really liked it. Madge was in the middle as well. And I think that's yeah, something that yeah. we'll use a lot this week, especially if it's wet. We took too and, long to pull the pin last week with that. Yeah. I mean, Madge didn't touch the ball in the first half, and I'm not sure he had a great third quarter. But once once they put him in the middle, in the, I think it was the last quarter that he only played in the middle. I, I can't be sure on that. Yeah, that's the same time I saw him in yeah. there as a he, midfielder. He, he, he has a presence. And I think even if he's in there as a defensive midfielder, just sort of running from the backside to, to put some real heat on, on whoever, if, if Goldie can't jump, to have to have Madge in there to uh, to nail the the ball carrier for for the Crows this week, I think I think it's a good idea, and he's he's big and he's strong, and he'll be able to uh, to stand up in the wet. And I, I think I'd, I'd like to see him spend a lot of time in the in the middle, just and maybe people, and, and maybe <laughs> send Jack, Jack Ford. Not a terrible idea. And so, it, so so go with Drew and Brown and Jack as full time forwards, and and have Madge swallow Cunnington in the middle, and and Dumont switching in there as well. I think. I'd roll with that. And Madge has played a lot in the midfield in the VFL and played a lot in the midfield in the VFL in bad games as well, and we're expecting a lot of rain. So that's well, a bigger body with. can be a real advantage because... It, it, yeah. And plus, Seedsman's out for Adelaide too, so that kills a lot of their pace. Besides yeah. their forward line and maybe their half-back line, they don't have a heap of pace in the midfield, and he could be a big difference with the actual pressure, defensive pressure. I know this is more of the preview, so we'll get onto that a bit later. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just one more question from Gasso. So I'll give this to you, and Trent Dumont, was that his breakout game? And can he find a position in the best 22 once everyone returns from injury? Yep. Oh, absolutely. It was his breakout game. Um, I think he's he's definitely best 22 material. Um, like uh, like you guys were talking about before, I think having him in the middle, can we can push someone like, you know, Cunnington and... Zeeble up forward, have them sort of rested for the later part of the game. So I do think, um, it, like, we could find a structure where, where, where everybody fits. Um, I mean, obviously at the moment he's going to probably be in for a few more weeks yet. So obviously he can, uh, you know, solidify his spot on the side. But, um, yeah, I've got no, no real reason because he's not, I mean, he's not super quick, but he's not slow either. So. I yeah, I think absolutely he's got a spot in the best twenty-two. Yeah, I see him in the future replacing Swallow. I think he's a more he's a similar version of Swallow in that tackling form, but he's just a bit more mm. skilled, naturally skilled. Yeah. yeah. So it just he just needs to get that natural avgro like Swallow used to I, have. I think you're right with the similar similarities to Swallow, but Swallow and Swallow's just started getting it back before he got concussed. But he started winning the ball around the clearances probably. He may be the best at it in the league when the ball comes off hands. I mean, we all remember that. Yeah. Was it against Adelaide or against the Kilda when he just dominated that one first quarter and had 16 possessions? And oh, that was against everywhere. Adelaide. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. So, I mean, if he, if I don't, I've never seen uh, Dumont do that, and I have, I haven't seen. I don't think he's got the ability to do that sort of stuff that Swallow does have the ability to do. And Swallow started to get that back before he was concussed. So hopefully, he uh, he gets it back straight away, Swallow, because he's when he's on, he's a really important player to us. Well, he's just yeah, his tackling in the midfield. He's important defensively, both because Cunnington as well. When he went down, he was a bigger injury, I think, against Geelong. I know we're going way off topic a little, but uh, he provides that defensive structure in the cl- centre clearances. And as soon as that went, it was stuffed. We had no chance against Geelong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, we're straight on to the review of the Hawks game. So, Philly, <laughs> what did you take out of it? I, I, I've... I personally found it a very frustrating game. I found it a very annoying game. Did you say I, I loved the game. I had a really good time. It was, I mean, losing the game sucked. And for the last 10 minutes when I, well, the last 10 minutes, you know, when Mason kicked that goal, we were so up and about in the crowd. Like, I, I thought, we're going to snap this. We've got this. Like, we're, we're better than them at finishing off games. We've, we've got, I've seen the poise in the back line. And I think, I think, I thought we were going to win it. And to do to get in that position with the, the team that we played by playing Farron Ray, 
you know, Trent Dumont, Wagner, Majak Dor, even Mason Wood. Like, at the start of the year, we didn't foresee any of those guys playing. Even Mullet was playing. Like, like none of those guys we, we saw in our best 22. And, and I mean, the reason that Wagner's playing is because not only uh, Higgins, Garner, Turner are gone, but also Nahas was gone injured. So we, we've gone to our fifth string small forward. <laughs> and and we've and we've still you know with with thirty seconds on the clock before Jamie McMillan gets slapped in the face by Rioli, we're still in that game with a chance to win it. I I I disagree that it, I, I mean I can understand how watching it on TV you were frustrated and we didn't kick straight we should have won the game but geez there was a lot of upside out of that game we we tackled really hard we bullied the bullies we you know we had Mitchell looking over his shoulder we had Josh Gibson like you said, dropping easy marks because he was shit scared and lying on the ground because Lindsay Thomas bumped into his shoulder. We had, you know, Spud roughing up Bruce. I mean, the only real frustrating thing for me was that Sicily got a hold of us and I, he's, he's in my top three most hated players now just because of the way <laughs> he celebrates piss weak goals. I just well, he's, we, we called him the ferret last night because he looks like a ferret. He <laughs> just seems like a really shit human and <laughs> just... <laughs> As soon as when he got his first goal, I said to everyone around me, "If that prick gets another one, I'm going to spew up." And he kicked five, so it wasn't wasn't great. But apart from that one element of the game, geez, we played well. We, like, do you, does everyone remember what Gunston did to us last year? Oh, I tried to get. He, he yeah. tore us a new asshole. I think he kicked six, and he was bombing <laughs> him from everywhere, and he was leering, and he was playing up to the crowd. <laughs> Robbie Tarrant, I, I'd love to not swear, so I'm not going to. But Robbie Tarrant. Oh, he hurt him. He <laughs> bent him over. He pulled his pants down, and he stuck lots of things up his butt. Jeez, <laughs> oh, family friendly guys. <laughs> it's been. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I've got no comment. <laughs> yeah, look, it was a terrific game by him, Tarrant. He's just. He's. Uh, he'll be in your Australian team. If he's not, it's. A, I mean. They're going to put Rance in one of the key positions in the back line. Yeah, going him and to. Rance, I'm happy. But, but, but they're purely going to do Rance on reputation. Terrence had a way better season. Yeah. But Rance has been really brave. Yeah, and he's yeah, and he's such a wonderful <laughs> guy. He's just, he's, such, he's just, he's a good bloke. Rance, yeah. Really, yeah. He doesn't play for Hawthorne, so how can be a good bloke? <laughs> but he is, though. He got the good bloke defence when he smacked him in the back, when he smacked your mate in the back of the head, Jack Watts. My <laughs> mate? <laughs> Yeah, your mate. Um, no, I, I think I think Tarrant's clearly the best defender in the league. Like people talk about Heath Shaw, but I think I think Robbie Tarrant's uh, those two are the standouts. Just to say that he's next level. He's really really good. And, and do you know what the amazing thing is? He could go forward and die. And I, and I know everyone will jump at me for this, but he could go forward now, and he'd be a way better forward today than what he was five years ago. Because he's, he's got the strut. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's got that real confidence, and he's bigger, and he's stronger. I mean, you watch him run out, and he's so big. Like, he makes his brother Chris's arms look a little bit noodle-like now. And everyone used to get... <laughs> he's a better bit... defender than his brother was. Oh, His brother really? was better forward. I'll, I'll happily admit that, but... Yeah, but hang on. But I reckon if Robbie went forward now, I think he'd go really well. I actually agree with you. I think it was the Geelong game. Um, one of One of the four milling kicks that Dangerfield got went straight into the forward line. And he ran, and he actually took the mark as if Dangerfield was kicking to him. Yeah. Like, it was like he was on the lead to Dangerfield. And I thought, wow. I mean, imagine the presence he'd have in that, like, if he was in the, if he was leading out, crashing packs. Like, because he, he does it in the back line now. He just, he just knocks people over. And he, yeah. and he, and he runs away with the ball and he uses the ball really well. I mean, I'll just, we're, we're very lucky that we've got Tog Goldstein and Robbie Tarrant in the same team. We really are. If we can get, if we can get one of our forwards firing and maybe someone at Goldie's feet really, really going well, we've got a team that, that could go a long, long way. Yep. Um, GN80, I know you've got your own thoughts on this and the game in itself, but if you, do you believe that North's just trying to change up the clearance structures a bit? Seem Goldie's not dominating at the same level, that they're trying to readjust away from the dominance of Goldie, that they're trying to shark taps bit more to trying to change things up a little bit or is it just the same old same old uh, as in the uh, as in the kangas um yeah in terms, in, the of Goldstein, in terms of goldstein's dominance he's not as dominant ruckman as he was in the earlier rounds and now we're trying to adjust or do you believe we're not 
it's it's really hard to make that call because like of all the rubbish um, injuries and stuff that we've had, but but I think it's I think at least a portion of that has been well we our structure has changed around a bit. Like we are more mobile as like well particularly last week I thought we were more mobile because we didn't have Cunnington Zebel and Swallow all on the same side, mm. but like like. Like it was pretty obvious, we did lose that ball-winning ability. So I would, I would like to think professional footballers could adapt. Um, so I think, yeah, there probably is a bit of that. But whether it's because of Goldie's effectiveness or whether it's because of the, the position we find ourselves with injuries, I'm not too sure. Um, but abs- I mean, it's good to see that we can do that, though. So that, that that's a definite positive. Yeah. I thought our clearance work was really good on the way down by the way. Considering we were missing Cunners and Spoller. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But Dumont did a really good job, and, and Zebel did a really good job, and Wells, I mean, shit, we're going to miss Wells this way. Well, that's what I was trying to trying to get at is uh, we've become a bit more adaptive with our clearance structures before. We are a bit immobile, as you are saying before. I think we've been trying to implement that adaptability over the last couple of weeks because we've had to, and it's been... And that's why our clearance numbers may be a bit... Last week was really good, though. I think we finally found that balance last week. But Wells yeah. is a big out. Yes, very much so. <laughs> but I think if it's going to absolutely thump down rain like it is, I mean, obviously Wells has got the ball-winning ability, but one positive is that, like, his, we, we're not going to lose his um, his silky move movements and his running because it's going to be so heavy and it's just going to be a slog. Yeah. So... I Wells, think but Wells is a really good wet weather footballer. He really is. Because he's a remember smart that, footballer. Remember that yeah. game up in Sydney two years ago? He Jesus Christ, yeah. he played well. I think I, I wrote somewhere that Wells was best on... Oh, no, I said it on here a few one time. I said that Wells was best on ground by a mile. And my uh, one poster had a massive crack at me and said that Cunnington was better, which, okay, great, Cunnington was better. But Jesus, Daniel Wells can play well in the wet. We're, we're going to really miss him. He dominated on Friday night. Yeah, he's a big out for sure, but um, I don't I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm quietly confident that we can have put up a good showing again. I, I honestly think that if if it does, particularly if it does pour down, I think that's where us we particularly having Swallow and Cunnington back. I think we can we, we can go back to what we were doing before, and it's that adaptability. We can move to move to how you know how the cards fall, I suppose. So I think I think we're Probably, I think we're a bit better of a show than most people would think, I think. Yeah. Right, we'll move straight on to the previews and we're already there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. think that happens. But... Um, <laughs> I, I try to do it naturally. and I'm, No, I'm, I know, and it happens because the questions often sort of lead in. play into that, don't they? Yeah, well, yeah. the review does as well because we start talking about, you know, injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. Um, in terms of ins and outs, Adelaide's lost poor seedsman, which is a big out from their half-back line and wing. And Brad Crouch, the inferior brother of Matt, comes in. And, yes, as, as we said, Daniel Wells is out. Luke McDonald's out with at least 10 weeks. I don't think he'll be back this year. And Swallow and Cunnington are in for North. And in terms of emergencies, which are interesting, it seems like Lockie, Clark and Nahas are the emergencies. So I reckon Clark will come in ahead of Nahas just because of the injury to Nahas. I don't think he's still fully fit. And for Adelaide, they've got Ottens, Malera, and Henderson as their backups. So they've gone in pretty tall, just like we have. So we'll get into matchups. So you guys can just jump in whenever, but we'll start with our forward line. So Talia to Petrie. And, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Hardigan probably to, well, Waits not obviously in, so Hardigan to Brown. And, yeah, um, Lever to probably Wood. Seems the likely matchup led to probably Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey, maybe Brody Smith. They might try and play him off him a little bit. I would have thought I would have thought Cheney to to Thomas because I think they want to isolate Led to sort of run the ball out of the the back line. They obviously if you, because of the style of play that Lindsay is. I, I don't know whether having a running half back would be the best move, but yeah, but they but get torched. Geez, <laughs> yeah, I hope they play Cheney on Thomas. If they play Chaney on Thomas, Thomas will win the game for him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, think Ch- I think Thomas is too much for him. I think I think Chaney's a good defender, but I think I think they I think they'll either play they'll play they don't play Brody Smith on. Yeah, Thomas. but the pro- but the problem is oh yeah, but they want to fret Brody Smith to rebound off off him. The yeah. reason I said Laird in the first place is because it's what GWS 
tries to do against us when they put him on Heath Shaw on the best small forward because they know sometimes they they just stay in the four fifty. Yeah. And they just run yeah. off him. And that's what they've done to Thomas in the past. This year it's a little bit different. He's chasing I think he's chasing a lot better this year because he's not hindered by injury. Mm. So that that was my thinking behind that. But yeah, you are right. In terms of Cheney, I I could see that happening. As long as Lindsay brings it to ground, which he can because he's effectively a medium forward, a small medium forward. Yeah. yeah. Um Lindsay's got the more attributes at ground level than Cheney does. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, so we're happy with those four matchups. Petrie needs to just halve every contest. And with Talia, that will probably happen. In terms of the midfield, that will change a few times. Um, who do we see going to Sloan? I, think, I don't think it'll be a hard tag for Sloan. Like, if we were going to tag anyone, I think actually we'd go back to tagging one of Laird or Smith. Um I mean, I know Sloan's dangerous, but he's going to get the ball regardless. Yeah. Um, if 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 we chop off um, Led and Smith at the at their back line, sort of almost forward press on them, I think that that could that could take out a lot of their effectiveness. I think. Yep. I think I think Gibson plays on Sloan, and I think Gibson will do a job yeah. on him. And I think Ray would do a job on McKay as well, because McKay he's not the best footballer, but when he does get it, he usually uses it pretty well as a footballer. Yeah. So I, yeah. They're lining up on each other, so that's pretty easy. Um, and the rest of the midfield just go head to head. McMillan will spend times in the midfield at times, but he'll rotate back. I see McMillan play more defence this week, just because of they've got that many bloody small forwards out late, and they've yeah. got a good forward line. Charlie Cameron, Eddie Betts, I can see them kicking a lot of goals. Well, Charlie Cameron didn't play last time we played them, and uh, we we rate I rate him. Yeah, so time. do I. He's dangerous, I and yeah, I th- and I think that's. Part of the reason why Luke McDonald's such a big loss because he, uh, he not just because of Charlie Cameron, but I mean Luke McDonald played on Lynch last time we played them, and I think he kept did he keep him to one goal, and it was from that questionable free free kick for the sling tackle against Luke. Yeah. And apart from apart from that, Lynch didn't touch the ball, and I think the next four weeks he kicked five goals, four goals, five goals, four. Like he he really turned it on after Luke smashed him, so. Having him to be able to shut that one down because then Thompson is is able to then go to to Betts because that's the the natural matchup. That, I mean, normally Scott Thompson does a reasonable job on Betts. Um, so, but we, now can't, Tom- we can't have Fredo and Jenkins. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. And then- um, what I'm thinking is with McDonald out, Fredo goes Lynch because Fredo goes up the field anyway. Um, Tarrant to Walker and yes. Thompson to Jenkins, even though. It's he's just going to be a slightly improved version of Fredo in that situation, but at least Thompson's smart enough to nudge him under the ball in the wet. I think, yeah, I I, I was trying to think of this because I think this is a big, this is going to set, tell a lot about how we're going to go in this game. I don't know, like, would you actually have Scott Thompson basically, you know, floating within the fifty, and you know, if Walker, Jenkins, Pitts, Lynch get the ball outside of fifty, good luck to him. But once the ball's in the 50, okay, you need to have Taron on Walker, but have Thompson sort of roaming around playing the uh, Josh Gibson style of game. It's a dangerous game to play with Charlie Cameron and Eddie Betts. It's a very dangerous game to play with those two. Since the ball comes to the ground, I yeah. don't trust Thompson in the wet as much as Eddie Betts or Charlie Cameron. Yeah. I mean, do, do, do you put Atley on Betts with that kind of setup? or? Yeah. Who, who does Brad McKenzie play on? Douglas. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Douglas, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, as I said, uh, Eddie Betts, yeah, it has to be Atley, I'm, I'm afraid, with that one. Sam Thompson has to be, probably go a bit quite tall. And Mullet, I can see going with Cameron, though I'm a bit worried about Mullet, but we won't go into that. That's my own thing. I'm not going to bag players. Um, Mullet's been alright the last two weeks, I think. He hasn't been bad. He's, I think he's been improving. I think he's taken a while to, I think he takes a while to get adjusted, like Lockie does. Like, I'll tell you what, when, when he swung onto his left last week, I thought he was going to kick that goal. And I... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I need to be a confidence player. I really... I need to, I need to, it turns out I need to calm down football because I'm... Uh, again, when, when Atley gets the ball in his hands, I'm like, rah! Like, I, I, so, you know when you get that preconceived idea in your head of, like, when Atley gets it, he's going to run to take four bounces and kick an amazing goal. Or when, when Mullet gets it, he's going to swing on the left and bomb one from 70. And, like, <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, my, my positivity uh, ends up making me sad because it doesn't quite work out that way. <laughs> Anything else to add, guys, before we finish up? Uh, I think I think we're going to – it's going to be one or loss without a fist week tomorrow night. I mean, we're, 
like you said, the uh, the Charlie Cameron, Jenkins, Douglas, Lynch, Walker, and Betts forward line. I don't know that there's a better forward line in football. And uh, missing Luke and Sammy Wright out of our probably uh, our best back six is uh, is going to make that difficult. So I think I think Jamie McMillan will probably come back and do a job on on Lynch. That would be my opinion. I think we're going to try to keep Scott Thompson for Eddie Betts because he tends to get that job. But it's uh it's going to be a tough game. I I expect it to not to not win and to probably maybe not get close. I think that off with the break that they've had and us off two six days and with more injuries just piling up on top of more injuries, it's going to be a really hard game to win. If we're close at three-quarter time and it's really, really wet, I think we could maybe pull one out, but it would be one of the best club, one of the best wins in living memory, I think, if we can win this one. Well, like I said, I'm probably slightly more positive. I think I think the um, if it does become wet, I think it becomes a great equaliser because I mean, you know, in the, in, in the wet, I, I I can't see you know four um, three forwards marking everything like they would on a dry day. Um, so I think that mitigates the problem. Obviously, you've got the other problem of your yeah, Cameron and Betts type players. Um, look, we're obviously. You know, it's what three dollars paying three dollars thirty at the moment, and that's probably about right if I was running the book. But um, I don't know. Like last week, we thought we had no chance, and we we played very well. So if we can keep up the kind of intensity, it's you'll see. It's I, I, I think I think Adelaide's a better team than Hawthorne right now, and I think this mm-hmm. game's in Adelaide, not at Eddie Had, and I think yeah. they've got one player out of their best twenty-five that injured, and we've got. 12 out of our best 25 that are injured. I I, I think it says a lot more about Adelaide if they lose tomorrow night than what it says about us. It's like what we found out about Hawthorne. We found out Hawthorne doesn't have as much... They're not the same team. That's what we found out last week. Hawthorne don't don't scare me at all. all. Adelaide... I mean, I know Hawthorne beat us last night, so last week, so that probably sounds stupid. But I I think if we play Hawthorne again... Four teams. Ten times with Cunnington and Swallow, Wake, you know, and and Luke McDonald without a pinged hammy, hammy. I think and we win that game. Fully fit Del Sano, fully fit yeah. Goldstein. But, and that's the, that's the other one. I think Nick Del Sano is going to be big tomorrow night. If Nick Del Sano can play a, a good game. I think he, he'll he's one of the with Wells out. I think Dell becomes really important. Yeah. Yep. Right. We'll finish up there for the evening, guys. So I'd just like to thank Gene Eighty and Philly Rue for jumping on. Thank you, guys. Cheers, mate. It's Kate Moore, thank you for doing this two nights in a row, mate. That's above and beyond yes. by you. That's all right. Very Thanks, good. Mate. And I hope everything turns out all right on Thursday night. We get up for a big win. Thanks, guys. All Cheers, right. mate. Bye. See ya.